Yes, us. Welcome to the Kefi Life Podcast. My name is Kiki Vale, and I'll be your guide to creating a life of Ola Kala, all is well. Together, we'll get back to the basics, and we'll explore fresh new ways to flourish in mind, body, and soul the Greek way. You can look forward to interviews, stories, essential self-care strategies, recipes, and actionable takeaway Ola Kala moments. This is going to be so much fun. Let's get going. Bam it. Our lexi for today is pezoporia, pezoporia, or hiking. Hiking is a great form of fun and exercise, so please let me share some tips to keep pezoporia, or hiking, a safe activity for you and yours. Number one, stay on the trail. Number two, stay to the wider paths. Number three, pass on the left. And number four, but really it's number one, is to make sure you're wearing the correct shoes to get the most out of your journey. Pezoporia. Hiking. Enjoy it today. Eleolado, olive oil, has been celebrated in the civilized world for millennia, nearly eternal. The oil of this fruit has been more than just food to the cultures of the Mediterranean region. It's been medicinal, ceremonial, sacramental, and the foundation of great wealth and power. It is safe to say that olive oil is the ethos the essence of Greek culinary culture. Today, the priceless and life-giving ingredients of this liquid gold can be delivered to you when you purchase your premium bottle of Kefi Life Extra Virgin Olive Oil from the region my parents were born, the Peloponnese. The coveted Koroniki olive is extensively cultivated here in the southern part of Greece, which offers the unique microclimate needed to grow a fruit netting the utmost nutrient value for extra virgin olive oil. Kefi Life Extra Virgin Olive Oil, a boundless amount of value, high in antioxidants with anti-inflammatory properties linked to good mood and improved mental health. Get your bottle of wellness today when you visit kefilife.shop. Welcome back to the Kefi Life episode, friends. You are joined by Kiki and Brooks Coleman of the Science of Losing Fat and the Art of Keeping It Off. If that doesn't intrigue you, I don't know what does. We all want to be in shape. We all want to be healthy, I think. And it is the holiday season, so this is a great time to talk to Brooks. He's got this strategy that he created. He's actually a precision nutrition coach. And last week, if you listened, if you didn't, go back and listen because it was a fantastic episode. Last week, we started the conversation with the first 13 sentences of his 27-sentence strategy to lose weight, keep it off, and live a great life. Brooks, welcome back. Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to keep this rolling. That was yeah. fun last week. Absolutely. And you know, you have such, we were talking in the green room about how this information sounds basic, but so many people just don't understand it or know it. And that's the frustration is the education piece. When people don't know what to do or how to do it, I think they give up and they just say, oh, whatever, right? Is that true? Yes, 100%, 100%. So we're real excited to talk to you today. We're going to finish up the 27 sentences. We're at number 14. So um, let's start with 14 because I want to get all this information in. Uh, dieting for the rest of your life. This is a good concept to think about. Yes. Or so, not to think about, or did I say that wrong? We should not think about dieting. What do I mean by that? <laughs> that's a that's a good distinction because a lot of people associate like the word diet with something that's bad. Um, we all have a diet, whether we know it or not. Um, so you know, depending on the way you look at it, I think um, you know what I've said is if you can't stick to your diet for the rest of your life, 
you shouldn't be doing it at all. But what I mean by that isn't necessarily how much you eat because when most people think diet, they're thinking weight loss. And to achieve weight loss, you have to eat less than you burn. You can't do that forever or else you would eventually weigh zero pounds, which clearly isn't an option. So what I mean is if you can't stick to your food choices for the rest of your life, you shouldn't do it for a day to achieve a goal because a lot of people cut out carbs for 90 days and they don't plan on sticking with that and keeping the carbs out. And then they have no idea how to handle it. So the thing that should be changing is how much you eat total. But your food choices should remain the same throughout the weight loss period so that all you're changing is just more portions once you get to your goal weight and you don't have a huge life overhaul when you go to maintain your results later. A personal example of that, because I've done every diet under the sun, name it, and I've done it and it didn't work because of what you just said. Uh, When I was in high school, getting a little chub-chub, and I did the grapefruit and egg diet. Now, I love eggs and I love grapefruits, but I cannot just eat that, okay? So did I lose 10 pounds in a week? Yeah, was it mostly water weight? Probably, but that's an example of doing a diet that is just not gonna sustain you for the rest of your life. Spot on, spot on. I did a, I did some sort of fruit cleanse in high school as well, and it, it's, it's just not gonna stick around. So number 15, Brooks, is about um, caloric intake with hormones and food and composition. What do you have to say about that? Yep, so the... I'm not saying that hormones or the timing of your food or any specific ingredients don't matter. What I'm saying is they pale in comparison to nailing the basics most of the time. So if you're eating mostly whole foods, if you're strength training, if you're getting some steps in and you're eating enough protein, the effects of the timing of those foods or some of the hormone fluctuations in response to foods or your your insulin reaction, if you control for your calories... Those things are very, you're majoring in the minors when you're focusing on those things. So focus on the big levers most of the time, and you're not going to need to worry about those small, small things that get you maybe one, two, three percent more progress. So you um, are a precision nutrition coach, but also you mentioned earlier in the green room that you have an RP strength background. Will you tell me what RP strength is? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so RP stands for Renaissance Periodization. Uh, mouthful there, but periodization is is just a, a general blanket term referring to periodizing a nutrition or a exercise plan. Basically, you know, adapting how much you can do over time to make sure you you're, you're not doing too much at once and and uh, improving strength or muscle gain or fat loss or whatever it may be. It's a structure on on the big picture of what you're doing. But all that to say is uh, they provide a nutrition certification. So so I've trained with them and, and they are they are definitely more dialed in for, for more athletes and more specific uh, body composition goals that might be a little more dialed in than the pre- precision nutrition approach that includes more bigger picture lifestyle type changes for people. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Um, You have curated or created, I just love those two words, uh, 27 statements to live by that will help you to be, one, to be 98% more lean than most of the people or all the people. And number 16 is getting outdoors in the morning. Sounds good to me. 
Yes. Yes. Um, once again, going back to those basics that aren't, that aren't crazy, you know, everyone probably knows they should be outside a little bit, but, uh, our circadian rhythm is, is what's known as our biological clock and every cell in your body kind of functions on a circadian rhythm. And the biggest driver of that rhythm is going to be getting outside and getting sunlight into your eyes in the morning, which is going to let your body know when to be alert and when to be sleepy at night. So this is a great anchoring habit for everything you're doing that's going to support your sleep. It's going to support your stress. And that is one of the quickest, easy ways you can, you can pair it with a walk. So you, you get those steps in, you get that sunlight in. And if you do that before you jump to your coffee or try to jump right into your work, just give it that 10, 15, 20 minute walk outside of the mornings and you'll watch your energy levels and, and everything just completely, completely change. Brooks, what's your rule on caffeine? I love my coffee and I have it every day. Got any rules yeah. for that one? Yeah, me too. I drink it every day as well. Um, main rules are I would limit it to, I usually say 300 milligrams of caffeine max, some people more, some people less, depending on your tolerance. But then try to cut it off by noon because even if you don't realize it, it's going to stick around for quite a while. The half-life is, is pretty long, so it can really mess up your sleep. Even if you're falling asleep, it can impact the quality of your sleep. So I'd cut it off before noon or as early as possible, limit it to two or three cups, and that's going to really, really help out your sleep. We're in December, holiday season, drinking's going on. Some people don't drink, some people drink a lot, cocktails and all that. What are your thoughts on booze? <laughs> yes, so one, you can make progress and have alcohol in your life. It's gonna be harder though. There's no denying that. They're, they're calories that aren't filling you up or providing nutrients to you, so they're empty calories. You probably are gonna end up eating more. It's just gonna make things a lot tougher. So. I would say limit it on each occasion that you're having it, mix in the waters, try to develop a strategy, and there's a million different ways you could go about it so that you aren't, you know, kind of just smashing the Taco Bell at the end of the night every time you drink. Um, but from there, you know, just general tips are just stay hydrated. There's a great supplement called Cheers. And they, they, one is called Restore, and it's something you take after your last drink that helps kind of metabolize the byproducts of alcohol, and that can really go a long way so that the next day you're not dragging and not getting your steps in and not moving and making bad choices the next day too. So that's something I usually recommend, but overall, what I always recommend is to just pay attention to how you feel when you include it and when you don't. Because if we just develop that self-awareness with alcohol or with anything in our life and, and as it pertains to our goals, you can continually reassess how you're doing with and without that thing. And you can continue to make that trade-off decision. And it really unlocks just growth overall because you, you know, you're turning it into a learning experience every time you do or don't include it. I like your attitude. You're not telling somebody not to do it. You're just giving them the ramification or the repercussions of drinking, and if they're going to, how to modify it. That's good. That's really good. This next segment on the um, 27 steps of uh, being leaner than 98% of the people is about movement, and I'm a really big proponent of movement. I mean, I just like to be active. I can't sit still, so it just makes me feel good and all that good stuff, endorphins, you know. Uh, but when we talk about weights and reps, talk to us a little bit about weight training and reps. Yep. So no matter your goal, if you want to get toned or you want to be jacked or whatever it is, 
And in addition to that, just for life and longevity, strength training is key. That's the baseline of exercise that that's going to lead to the most benefits across the board. But that being said, it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to use barbells. It can be two to four times per week if you do it effectively with an efficient plan. And a lot of people get get caught up with like, I need to go high rep to get toned and I need to go low rep to, to build muscle. If you're in the 6 to 20, 25, or even 30 rep range, anywhere in there, as long as you challenge yourself, you are going to be creating an effective stimulus to, to change your body and to add muscle and lose fat. What about, uh, speak to us about failure, weight training and failure. Yep. So in that 6 to 30 rep range, the most effective sets are if you are within about three reps of failure. And what failure means is that you wouldn't be able to complete another rep with good form. So that means if you're going for 10 reps, your ninth, your eighth, ninth, 10th rep, just focus on making it tough and challenging so that it's moving slowly and you don't know that you could necessarily get more than a couple more after you're done. So if you focus on just making it challenging, the last few reps are slow, you're going to be in a good place to be challenging because we want to be continually challenging our muscles to make sure they adapt to the stimulus. Okay. And I love um, improving and does adding weight to the weights help you to improve? That's number 21 on your list. Yes. So from there, if we're in the six to 30 rep range and we're challenging ourselves at on each set so that the end of the sets are, are pretty tough, we want to progressively overload our muscles. And that just means, you know, it's stimulus and response. We want to create a higher requirement of our muscles week over week to force them to adapt. And you can do that in a lot of ways. Let's say you do three sets of 10 this week with 100 pounds of whatever it is. Next week, you could do three sets of 11, and that would be more than you did last week. Or you could do three sets of 10 again with 105 pounds, and that'd be more than you did last week. You could also add a set and do four sets of 10, and that'd be more than you did last week. Or you could add another day to your week, which of course isn't as predictable and scalable for most people, but it's another way to to add more more requirement of your muscles to adapt. And then lastly, you could just move slower. So if you're moving slower, you're going to create more time under tension for the muscle. But that's a lot right there. I would just say each week, try to add a tiny bit more weight or add one one rep to, to your sets or to your reps. Um, and that's going to lead your muscles to be required to do more work each week. And that's going to lead them to grow outside of the gym when you rest. Is the following statement myth or truth? Muscle weighs more than fat. So let's say that I weigh a certain number. I've been doing Orange Theory, and I'm really super lean. I'm just like losing weight, losing weight. But then I start weight training, and I see the scale going up a little bit. Is that something I should worry about? Is that what, what truth, myth? What What do you say? So I think what most mean when they say that, because, um, you know, it's kind of like what weighs more, a pound of a pound of bricks or a pound of feathers, right? So uh, good point. I think most people, Very good uh, point, yeah. Most people mean like it's more dense or per unit of volume, it is heavier. So okay. to answer your question, it's never going to be a bad idea. If you're, if you're doing some weights and you're seeing the scale come up a little bit, 
That is not necessarily a bad thing. I would say if you're in a healthy weight range, um, that's nothing to be afraid of because earning that muscle, building that muscle is going to lead you to literally burn more calories in your sleep after that point because your basal metabolic rate is higher because of more muscle. So never a bad thing. Um, and especially as people are new to lifting weights, you can be building muscle and losing fat at the same time. So worrying about the scale isn't as important in that beginner stage because you can do both at once. So in that stage, I would recommend pay attention to how your clothes fit. Pay attention to your performance in the gym. And if those things are trending well, then I wouldn't be as concerned with, with the scale going up a little bit. Personally speaking, how do you stay uh, physically fit? What does your routine look like, Brooks? Yeah, so I lift weights four days a week. Um, I, you know, it, sometimes I, I do five, but that's my choice. I, I enjoy it. And so um, from there, I prior on the on the nutrition side, I prioritize protein. That's my first level. Um, and then on top of this, the strength training and the protein, from there, I would if I'm after specific changes in my body composition instead of just just maintaining where I am, I will track my calories. And then with that, be aiming to get most of my calories from good whole food sources. And then on the movement side, keep an eye on my steps and maybe take those higher. But I'm always going to be aiming for that, you know, seven to nine, eight to 10,000 rep range. But those few things right there are, are what's leading to, to most of my results most of the time. Um, and, and for people out there that are new, you know, two or three days with the, with the weights can, can get it done. Uh, it doesn't have to be four or five. We're at number 22 of the 27 statements that you have curated. By the way, how did you think of this great idea? I think it's a great way to get people interested in what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's a, been a, you know, I started writing on Twitter uh, a few years ago, two or three years ago. And, you know, these, these taglines and these hooks get flo flown out there and, and it's people curate from other people, like the, the structure of the hook. Um, and then it's just like, all right, what are, what are my heavy hitters, top pieces of advice that I can fill this in with? So that's kind of how it, how it came about. Okay. So 27 statements to live by that help us to become uh, leaner than 98% of the people. Great, great, great. Number 22 is squatting. Brooks, I like to squat. My husband always tells me, he goes, Kiki, in college, you should have been field hockey player because you're low to the ground. <laughs> And you know what that means? I'm strong in my trunk. So yeah. let's talk about, I don't know if it's better to be strong up here or strong down there, but what are your thoughts on squatting? What can you tell people? Because some people do like it and some people don't. Yeah. So at the most basic level, if we're training in the six to 30 rep range and we're pushing ourselves, your muscle is not going to know if the tension is coming from a squat or a deadlift or a leg press machine at the gym and similar with, you know, upper body stuff. It's not going to know if you're bench pressing with a bar or if you're on a chest press machine. Now, uh, the most important thing you can do is find something you can consistently stick with and progress week over week. And I am not saying squats or deadlifts don't work. They absolutely do work, but they're not the only way to drive adaptation, especially if you're new to things and you're intimidated by the gym and barbells. They're very technique heavy and they can lead to injury and you can get just as good of a stimulus as you're starting out with maybe a leg press machine and some dumbbell RDLs or Romanian deadlifts, something like that as just an example. So if you, if you like to barbell squat or squat, 
knock yourself out. But for the people out there that are intimidated and they'd rather just kind of stick to the machines to get their feet wet and get used to things, you can build muscle and build strength on those machines very, very well. And you don't have to feel bad about not, you know, just putting the chalk on your hands and grabbing a deadlift barbell to, to, to make progress. I just want to feel like I'm in the Olympics. That's all. Like, I just want to like, I I want to go get it. You know, I just want, so number 23 is using machines. And I think you just addressed that. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, for most of my clients that are newer to things, I'll use a a combination of machines and dumbbells. If they want to get into the barbells, we can do that. But yeah, I just wouldn't let, you know, and on that note, bands and dumbbells at home can work too. We can progress with bands and dumbbells at home. You don't need a gym to, to make progress. So it's whatever you can stick to and, and uh, progress. So is walking considered cardio and what are benefits to cardio? That's number 24. Yeah. So I wouldn't consider walking cardio. Um, cardio is going to be more, you know, the most beneficial, uh, I, I never recommend cardio until you have a baseline of steps done because it's such a low hanging fruit. It has great benefits and, a lot of people jump to the cardio, but then not realize they don't move the rest of the day. So it kind of cancels out that car- that calorie burn anyway. So I think cardio is overrated for losing fat, but it's underrated for heart and brain health. So it's fantastic to, to support your cardiovascular system, improve recovery and things like that. But I wouldn't bank on it to start shredding the pounds. Um, and if you're ready and you've establish that seven to 9,000 steps a day and you want to add cardio and you've established that baseline of strength training, I would add it in addition to those things, not in spite of those things. And I would just add in maybe some zone two, one or two days a week, and then some high intensity stuff, some intervals, just one day a week is going to go a long ways when you're ready for it. And you've already have those, those other baseline habits down. I love that you are making this so achievable, but also realistic to each individual person. That way people won't get intimidated. We might not be able to do as much as you can, and we somebody else might not be able to do as much as we can. We have to start where we are, correct? A hundred percent. Yep, yep. The uh, I always was, as a kid, I was super small. That's kind of what got me into the gym, and I would always get kind of intimidated by the by the big people in there or the super fit people and then you realize that they're just like the nicest people ever and uh there's no reason to to be intimidated by by anybody in there because the biggest like the biggest guy in the gym he's gonna be the nicest guy in the gym i guarantee it and that's kind of like number 25 you say something about the supporters in your in the gym are the people that are the fittest they want to see you fit as well is that is that what you mean by that Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody's rooting for you. Um, you know, especially someone who's, you know, if someone's super out of shape and they're in there getting after it, they have way more respect than, than the other people in there that are sitting on their phones and are maybe in really good shape. People really, really respect that for you to just get in there and, and start improving yourself because everybody's there to do the same thing. So when you talk about number 26 hobbies and activity, are you saying that create a hobby that keeps you moving? Yes, because, you know, I, I just taught, I just mentioned like it's very beneficial to get some cardio in if you have the steps and the strength training on board. But for some people, like they don't want to go stare at a, at a machine screen at the gym for 45 minutes. If you've got something that you could maybe play some pickleball or get into hiking or mountain biking or skiing or snowboarding or whatever it may be, that's going to just make it 
something you don't even have to like try to get done. So that goes a long ways to just stay active for, for the rest of your life. So number 27 is the chill factor. What do you mean by it? Yes. So I kind of, I kind of rephrased what you said, but I call it the chill factor. (laughs) The chill factor. yeah. Yeah. So, um, bottom line is we are all always focused on what we're not doing instead of what we are doing. And, We would rather start small and start building small habits that we actually stick with than go for 100% perfection and then fall short and completely fall off. So the whole game long-term with fitness is shaking things off and getting right back at it because one bad day isn't going to set you back that much. But letting that bad day get you down and turn into a bad week or a bad month or a bad year absolutely can set you back. So it's the way we think about our success and our failures that's really going to change how, how you progress long term. These last two episodes have been so outstanding. We've gotten so much great information, tips, uh, strategies for losing fa- uh, losing fat. Actually, you call it the science of losing fat and the art of keeping it off. And I really like that. Uh, it's been so much fun. Let's say somebody's been listening to you. They want to get in touch. They want to connect. What's the best way? Yeah, for sure. So I would say most of my content is on Instagram. It's at the Brooks Coleman. I do have a newsletter as well that I that I provide a little bit more in-depth stuff like once a week. They could do that. And then, um, you know, if you want guidance in this, I, I, I run a one-on-one coaching program um, where you have access to me and, and nutrition and lifestyle and exercise programming. Uh, just shoot me a message on Instagram or, or reach out however you want, and I'd be happy to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. We have about 20 seconds left, and I'm dying to ask you, let somebody, let's say someone's been listening, and they're like, oh, yes, I want to get in shape for the new year. I can't wait. What's one piece of advice that you can give them to like help them continue their motivation for getting into the best shape of their lives? Start with less and build momentum and confidence in yourself. So start with something you 95% can hit every single day, and that's going to build your self-esteem, your confidence in the process. And you'd rather do that and build on top of it than try to shoot for the moon and and fall short. So your momentum is so key. Take advantage of that and you'll see see great success long term. Well, I'm motivated to have you back. We're going to have you back in the spring. And thank you so, so much for all of this great information. I wish you the happiest of holidays using yours. Thank you so much. You too. This has been great. Stay right there. Up next, your weekly takeaway to keep it all as well. Hola, cala. This Ola Kala moment brought to you by the law offices of Liston and Centillus, ranked number one by the Leading Lawyers Network since 2010, taking care of all your real estate needs. A rule I like to follow about protein that is so important to help satiate me is to eat it when I'm hungry versus eating something random to satisfy hunger. When hungry first, always choose a protein. Studies show that protein is by far the most filling. It helps you feel more full with less food. And this is partly because protein reduces your level of the hunger hormone called ghrelin. It also boosts the levels of peptide YY, a hormone that makes you feel full. Friends, it's Olegala all as well when you eat a food that serves a purpose. Kiki Vale is the founder of Kefi Life. She is passionate about whole person wellness and living a fulfilled life. Her Kefi Life podcast is created to simply and naturally help you harmonize the mind, body, and soul the Greek way. Visit kefilife.com 
and check out Kiki Vale on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Join us again next time for more positive energy and inspiration on Kefi Life.